Our reading is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. For we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was a senior in high school and trying to figure out what to do with my life after graduation, I, ha I had the opportunity to take a vocational aptitude test. This was a, a standardized test with I don't know, 75, 100 questions on it. And, and the questions all had to do with uh, what kind of work I found meaningful, what kind of work I enjoyed, what would be good for me. So there, you know, there were questions like, do you, uh, do you prefer to work indoors or do you like to work outdoors? Uh, do you like to work alone? Do you like to work as part of a team? Do you, uh, do you enjoy mental work? Do you enjoy physical work? Do you enjoy... Um, Working toward long-range goals. Do, do you do you like work working towards uh, short-range accomplishments? So all these different kinds of questions that had to do with work. Uh, you know, I filled out the test. I mailed in the form. A few a few weeks later, I I received the results, and when I saw the vocational professional paths that they were recommending for me, I scratched my head in bewilderment. Um, so they gave me a long list of possible jobs for me, and, and there were two uh, that were tied for number one. And they suggested that, that if I were to pursue a profession in either of these areas, I would, I would find the work meaningful, I would, I would be very fulfilled, I would enjoy what I was doing. They, they couldn't guarantee success, but they were suggesting that this, this kind of work would be so fulfilling for me, I, very likely I would just flourish if I would follow either of these paths. The problem was both of these jobs seemed very unlikely for someone like me. So one of the, the jobs they recommended, they, they strongly recommended that I should consider becoming a captain in the merchant marine, that I should, you know, sail the ocean blue, travel from one port of call to another, just transport cargo around the world and spend my life on the open sea, which <laughs> I'll admit that does sound a little bit exciting. But if you've ever seen me on a boat, you would know that that is not a good idea. I really have a hard time with motion sickness. As soon as the waves start to go up and down, up and down, I turn green, my stomach feels sick. I just, I, I couldn't imagine spending my entire life seasick. It just didn't seem practical. Um, 
The, the other job they recommended for me seemed e even less practical than that one. Um, so here's, here's my reality. I, I, I'm not very big. I, I'm not very strong. I'm not very fast. I, 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 am, I am, however, fairly uncoordinated. All right, Those, this is just my reality. Uh, but they were suggesting that I would absolutely flourish in life if I were to pursue a career as, you ready for this? as a professional athlete. That's what they recommended. You know, which is, that's, come on, that's just, that's crazy. That's not, that's, that's not gonna happen for me. So the test wasn't, uh, it wasn't very helpful for me, but the questions that that test was at least designed to answer, I think they are important questions to ask. You know, what, questions like this, what, why did God put me in this world? What, 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 what purpose does he have? What, what has God called me to do? What should I do with my life? Or maybe, what should I do with this next season of my life? How, how can I make a contribution? How can I make a difference in the lives of others? Those, I would suggest those are really good questions to ask. Have you ever asked them? And, and not just with regard to your job, what you get paid for, but in other very important areas of life as well. For, for example, your family. If you think about it, God... God placed you in your family and in your extended family for a reason. And I, I, would, I would imagine that among all your relatives, there, there's no one who's, who's quite like you. So have you ever asked, what, what role does God want me to play in my family? How, how does God want um, my cousins and my siblings and my nephews and nieces and parents, how, how does God want their lives to be impacted through me? Have you asked questions like that? Or, or what about the, your role in the church, in the body of Christ? You know, the, the Bible tells us that, that the church is the body of Christ. Every Christian is a member of this body. Every member has gifts that they are to use to, to, to edify others. So how, how does God want to use you in the life of his church? These are, these are important questions for us to ask. And, and the good news is, the good news is that God, God loves us and he wants to help us answer those questions. Now, the passage I just read for you, Romans 12, 1 through 8, this is a passage that, that, among other things, it talks about discerning God's will for our lives. It, it talks about, end of verse 2, it talks about being able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. It just, it's just about understanding who we are and where our place is in this world. Now, how do you do that? Well, I, I would say from this passage that if you, if you want to grow in your understanding of God's purpose for you, this seeking that discernment will involve three things. It will involve your heart, it will involve your head, and it will involve your hands. So, so first, it, it will involve your heart. Look at, look at verse 1. Verse 1 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, now that, that phrase, offer, offer your body as a living sacrifice, that, that, that's really a way of saying that we are called to consecrate or, or dedicate our lives entirely 
to the purposes of God. We're just to say, Lord, I, I am, I'm yours. Here I am. Take my life. Use it however you want. I'm at your disposal. Lord, send me wherever you want me to go. Assign me to do whatever you, you want me to do. That's, that's what it means to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Now, you'll notice here, it says that we are, we are to do this. It says, in view of, or you could say because of, God's mercy. We're not to do this in order to attain God's mercy. The, the, the whole, all the chapters in Romans leading up to this, Paul has been telling us that for, for those of us who've come to Christ and trusted in Him through faith, listen, God has given, already given us all the mercy we will ever need. And, and if you've never trusted in Christ and you, and you start trusting him today as your Savior, God will give you all the mercy you will ever need. You see, if we've come to Christ through faith, um, we have been forgiven, we have been accepted, we have been adopted. Uh, we, we are recipients of grace. So we're, we're not here told to offer our lives to God in order to attain his mercy, in order to earn his mercy. No, we, listen, we are to give our lives to God because mercy without limit has already been given to us. Now, here's how that works. When you realize that, that God has given you mercy, it just kind of dawns on you. that You say to yourself, you know, any, listen, any God who loves me that much, who loves me enough to, to, to have died for me through his son, you know, any God like that, I can trust him. I can trust him with my life. And so, and so we respond to that by saying to the Lord, Lord, here I am. Here's, here's my life. I, I offer my life to you. Now, you'll notice here that we are told that offering our lives to God in this way, this is a necessary step to discerning God's will. Uh, very often, my wife and I, will, if we go out to eat somewhere, we might go to a, a restaurant we've never been to before. We don't know much about it. And, and, and we walk in the door, and before, before we just let them lead us to a table and we sit down and commit to eating a meal there, very often we will say to, to the host, uh, can we see a menu first? You know, we want to we read the menu. We want to see what kind of food they have. We want to see how much they're going to charge us for us. In other words, we, we want to know what choices will be available to us before we make a commitment to dining there. Now, there are people who try to do this with God. They come to God and they say, God, you know, I'm considering offering my life to you, dedicating my life to you, but first, can I read the menu? I want to know just what my options will be. What might you call me to do? And what this passage tells us here is that God, listen, God doesn't, God doesn't play that game. God has zero interest in revealing his plans to people who are not willing to follow them. Verse, verse 1 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing to Him. End of verse 2. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Off, offer yourself first. Make a commitment first. Then you begin to see God's will. Donald Gray Barnhouse, who was a pastor in, in, in Philadelphia uh, in, in the last century, he once said this, he, he said, I can say from experience that 95% of knowing the will of God consists in being prepared to do it before you know what it is. We, so so th this involves our heart. This involves saying to God, God, here I am. 
in, in the Methodist tradition, there's, a, there's a, a service that's traditionally held every, every New Year's Eve. It's called the Covenant Renewal Service. And at, at this service, uh, Methodists will, after, after a, a litany of thanksgiving, of thanking God for all his blessings of salvation in, in their life, the congregation will pray together a prayer that w- was written by John Wesley over 200 years ago. And the prayer, to paraphrase it, it goes something like this. They say to the Lord, they say, Lord, I am no longer my own. I am yours. Put me wherever you want. Place me with whomever you want. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Put me to work or set me aside and work through someone else. Let me be praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, O wonderful and holy God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. That, that's the kind of prayer that's prayed by a, a, a man or a woman or a, or a teen or a boy or a girl. That's, that's the kind of prayer that's prayed by a person who is offering their body to God as a living sacrifice. Just from their heart, they're saying, God, I, I want your will, and, and, and before I even know what it is, here I am, I am yours. Send me, use me, lead me, I belong to you. So when it comes to knowing God's plan, God's purpose for your life, first it involves something from your heart. Then secondly, we learn here that it involves something that happens in your, in your head. Now, I wondered if you, if you would agree with this. We, um, we live in a culture, we live in a society that um, lies to us all the time. I mean, it's just every day, either in, in advertising or in, through entertainment or in the media, diff, different ways. We are just being bombarded continually with, with messages about life that, uh, that are not true. For, for example, we are told that, that outward beauty gives a person significance, that the way you look is very, very important. That's not true. We, we, we are told that, that certain jobs are more valuable than, than other jobs. Some, some professions have great prestige, other jobs do not. That, listen, that's not true in God's eyes. We, we, we are told that the, the way to be safe in the future is to stockpile as much money as we possibly can. If you save money, you will be safe. Huh, really? We are told by our culture that to be happy, you have to be free. Free, free to express yourself however you want, free from any responsibility to others, free, free to demand your rights no matter who gets hurt, free, free to fulfill any of your desires. In, in other words, we are told that the only path to happiness is the path to personal freedom. So these are all kinds of messages that, that our culture throws at us, sometimes overtly, sometimes, sometimes subtly. It throws at us all the time, and these messages are not true. So if, if, we, if we're going to get wisdom from God to discern His purpose for us, the role He wants us to play in life, somehow we have to be set free from the influence of these false messages. And so verse 2 talks about that. It says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In, in, in other words, um, in other words, change the way you think. 
Spend, spend time in God's Word. Spend time with God's people. And, and, and allow God's Spirit to be, begin to realign your thinking so that, uh, so that your values, what you think is important, what you think is true, so that your values are in line with God's truth, God's unchanging truth, rather than being shaped by, oh, by the, the mistruths of this world. I, I heard a, an interview recently with a, a Christian woman who... Um, after going through this process of, of, of God renewing her mind and, 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 and reshaping the way she thought, she, she made a decision in her career that just uh, it caused her colleagues to, uh, to, to wonder what in the world she was doing. So this is uh, Paula, Paula Ferris. She's a famous TV broadcaster who's also a very committed Christian. And uh, in her career, she had kind of reached the pinnacle. She was uh, the co-host of Good Morning America Weekend. She was the, one of the co-hosts of The View. She just kind of reached the top in, in the broadcasting world. And then uh, one day she went to uh, the executives at, at her network and she resigned from both positions. She said, I'd like to be reassigned. I, 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 I want you to just give me a simple job, 40 hours a week. I don't care if I'm a star anymore. I just... I, I want to have some time for other areas of life. People were baffled by this. Why, why would anyone turn away the two, two dream jobs like that? This is, this is what she said in, in the interview that I heard. She said this. She said, I got to the point where I was working so much. My, my schedule was all over the place. I, I was addicted to my job. I kind of lost my way. My, my relationships were suffering with my husband, with my kids. I was barely going to church. My, my health was suffering. I, I knew God was trying to get me to slow down. She said, society tells us that your worth is work, that your value is vocation, that, that your calling is singular and that it is your career. We ask our children, what do you want to do and what do you want to be when you grow up? As, as, if, as if that's their only contribution to life. When, when we meet somebody at, at a dinner party, we ask, what's your name and what do you do? That's, that's the message. But, she said, God said to me, Paula, your faith calling is your purpose. That's who you are. It, it will never change. It has nothing to do with career. It's why you're on this earth. She said, for me, my faith calling, my purpose is to love God and love people. That's why I'm here. It's not to be a broadcaster. And for so long, that's all it was. She said, I needed to find out who I was outside of what I did. You, know, you would say that Paula Ferris, as you know, thousands and thousands of Christian men and women before her for centuries, she made a decision that was countercultural. She, 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 she was able somehow to, um, to tune out all the false messages from the world and, and hear God's still small voice telling her what her purpose was. Why? Because she allowed God to renew her mind. Do, it says here, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, perfect will. So, if you want to know why you're here, what God wants you to do, what is purpose for your life, it, 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 discerning that involves your heart. You know, from your heart, you dedicate your life to God. 
It, it involves your head. You allow God to reshape the way that you think. And, and, and then, then finally, I would say it involves your hands. It involves what you do, what you say from your heart, what you think in your head, and then what you do. Verse, verse three, verses 3 through 8 um, talk about the, the importance of, of making a contribution to our church, to our faith community, through our, our participation in the life of the congregation. And, and starting at verse 6, it, it says this. It says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If your gift is to encourage, then give encouragement. If, if your gift is giving, then give generously. If your gift is to lead, do it diligently. If your gift is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, we need to remember that these verses were written in the context of a, of, of a broader passage that's telling us how to discern the will of God for our life. And the, and the idea that I, I think Paul is making here, he's saying, listen, if you suspect that maybe you have a particular gift from God and you're, you're wondering if, if perhaps God is calling you to serve him in a particular way, he's saying the only way to find out if that's true is just to do it. Start, start using your gift. Listen, right where you are, do something to serve God. Imagine someone says, I have the gift of teaching. I am, I am gifted to teach God's word. And someday, someday when I am offered a position as a tenured professor in a, in a fully accredited theological seminary, then I will use my gift. <laughs> Imagine that. The, the apostle says, no, listen, if, if, if your gift is teaching, teach, right? Start, start right where you are. Start with a third grade Sunday school class. Hey, volunteer to help with the youth group. In other words, if you want to know if God is calling you to something, get busy right where you are. So, someone else might say, you know, I have the gift of administration. I am very good at organizing things. And, and, and someday... When the White House calls and I am asked to become the director of a large federal agency, then I will use my gift. And the apostle says, no. If your gift is serving, serve right now. Your family needs someone, desperately needs someone to clean out the storage closet. So, Mr. Organizer, start organizing that. Start right where you are. Remember in, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus told a parable and in, in the parable, the master said to his servant, he said this, he said, if you, he says, you have been faithful with a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. And I, I really believe, guys, that's the way God works. When we are, when we are faithful serving right where we are, what, you, you know, in whatever capacity, whatever the needs around us, we just, we put our hands to work, all right? That's when God begins to reveal with greater and greater clarity what his purpose for our lives is. If you think about it, in, in the Bible, throughout the Bible, I, I can't think of anyone. God In the Bible, God almost never calls anyone uh, who's just sitting around doing nothing. I mean, almost always, when, when God calls someone, he calls people who are busy, who are busy serving right where they are. I mean, when, listen, when God called Moses, Moses was, was busy shepherding his, his father-in-law's flock at Mount Horeb. When God called Gideon, Gideon was busy threshing his father's wheat. When, 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 when God revealed his purposes for, for the life of Ruth, Ruth was gleaning wheat in, in the fields of Boaz. 
When, when God called Samuel, he was, he was busy serving in the temple. When God called David, he was taking care of his family's sheep. When, when God called Elisha, he was with the oxen out there plowing in the field. When God called Peter, he was busy catching fish. When God called Levi, he was collecting taxes. When God called Priscilla and her, her husband Aquila, they were busy making tents. See, see God, God almost never calls people who are just sitting there waiting for some great opportunity to make a big difference in the world. God, God calls people who are serving right where they are. So I, I would suggest that if, if you really want to discern God's purpose for your life, just, you know, get involved. Put, put your hands to work to serve others. Get busy serving others right where you are today. So, do you ever ask questions like this? Why am I here? Does God have a purpose for my life? What, what, what is God calling me to do? What is, what is God's good perfect, pleasing will for my life. You ever ask questions like that? Listen, God wants you to find the answer. But finding out the answer will, will involve your heart, your head, your hands. From your heart, you need to give your life to God. God, listen, Jesus gave his life for you. You can give your life to him, right? You, give, you say to God, I'm yours. Here, here I am. And then you let God reshape the way you think. This is an ongoing process of, of God... Uh, eliminating the lies of the world and informing you with his truth. And then get busy. Find, find a way to serve at home, in, in, in the church, at, wherever you are. Serve others where you are. And one day, I really believe, as, as we read in that parable, one day you'll stand before Christ and you will hear him say, Well done. Well done. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. I thank you that uh, you created, you designed each and every one of your children. You, you made us different. You made us with, with unique passion and abilities and opportunities. And you have a purpose to use us for your glory in this world. I, I pray that you will help us to discern that purpose. For, for, for whatever season of life we are in right now. I pray that you'll give us grace to be so filled with gratitude for what you've done for us through Jesus that we will just offer our lives unreservedly to you. I pray that you will, on in an ongoing way, reshape the way we think so that we do not measure success by the standards of this world, so that we think your truth, your thoughts. And I pray that as you show us opportunities to serve, we, we will be busy in serving people for your glory where we are. And God, I pray that as we do this, for each one of us, you will unfold your purpose, your calling, your will for our lives, for the glory of your name. Amen.